Hello everyone, I'm Hiram and welcome to Just a Physician, the podcast where we explore vulnerability, mental health, and life experiences, typically with another guest, but this is actually the very first episode that I am doing by myself, which I am a little bit nervous for because I have never sat for like an hour straight and just recording myself talking. Uh, whenever I'm filming videos on my main channel, I'm typically jump cutting it a lot and making a lot of mistakes and redoing clips. If you guys want to see an unedited video of me making a video, I personally find them really cringy, but everyone on my team thinks they're absolutely hilarious. So let me know. Anyway, I'm getting sidetracked. Welcome to Just a Physician. Um, in this episode, I'm going to be answering some of your guys' questions that you have submitted to me on Instagram. And if you didn't know, Just a Physician has an Instagram and a TikTok where you can submit questions if you want them answered. I want to make this a regular thing, at least doing it every month, where I can just answer some questions for you guys and just have a full length episode just talking, answering, you know, whatever you guys are curious about and having a good old time, just you and me. Uh, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to the Just a Position YouTube channel as well, because yes, we do have video elements where I feature the guests that I'm talking to. And I personally really like watching podcasts as opposed to listening to them. I don't know why. It's just something I really enjoy just having the video going. Uh, so make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. And yeah, I am super, super excited to get into this. I have a bunch of questions that you guys asked. You guys came through. Thank you so much for listening, listening, <laughs> asking all of your questions. I'm really stoked to answer them. And if I seem a little, you know, fuzzy brained, it is because it is 11 o'clock at night, but no worries. I just chugged an entire espresso. Um, I act like an espresso is a lot, but it's enough coffee to keep me wired for this episode. Um, and so, yeah, this, again, this is going to be my first episode. So I bear with me as we go through this, but I'm really, really stoked. And I think that this is going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to be doing these solo episodes um, once a month. Um, so feel free to send your questions through at any time uh, because we will be collecting them um, in order for me to respond to them in these episodes. So I'm really stoked um, to just jump into the questions, dive on in, and answer what you guys are really curious to know. The first question I want to answer is, why did you launch a podcast? Now, this is a really good question because I have been seeing a lot of creators getting into the podcast game for a while. This has actually been something that's almost been a year in planning um, up to the point of launching the podcast. It's something I wanted to do for a while, and initially, I was a little hesitant because I was like, oh man, here we go, another YouTuber making a podcast. But I felt like, in my videos, primarily skincare videos, um, there aren't a lot of opportunities where I can talk about things besides skincare and also just have a space where I can sit down, fully talk with you guys, just have a good conversation. And I really wanted in this podcast to feature people that really inspire me, that motivate me, that I look up to in a lot of ways and hear their stories. But why is it called Just a Position? What is the theme of the podcast? Like why, why did I even have this idea in the first place? I think humans are such incredible creatures in the sense that um, we're so diverse in what operates us and what really goes on in our mind. And I think specifically in the online space, because I do feature a lot of creators, um, I have a lot of really cool people that I'm going to be featuring on the podcast. Um, we tend to look at people through a very narrow-minded, one-lens scope. Uh, if you follow creators, say, like for example, me, uh, thinking about me I am the skincare person, for example. That is purely how people see me. You have other people who are purely just LGBT content creators. You have other people who are purely beauty content creators, hair content creators, whatever it may be in any capacity. I think we sometimes tend to view people through a limited scope when in reality, we're deeply complex beings and there's so much going on you know, behind the scenes that we don't know. And really in creating this podcast, I wanted to explore the juxtaposition of both the side of people that we see online, uh, that we see in public, and also the side of people that we may not be able to see, what happens in private, what's going on in their minds, what their life experiences have been that have led up to this moment being the reason why we identify them the way that we do. I feel like I really wanted to launch this podcast as a way to kind of remind people and show people that, you know, humans have duality. We are complex beings. There's so much going on and there's so much to be learned, so much to be inspired by, and so much... Uh, 
you know, just to open our minds when it comes to hearing an individual's story. And I think that message is really powerful and definitely needed in our world today, where I think with social media and with just so many things happening around the world and the age of information that we are in, where we are just consuming so much information on social media or just in the day-to-day life, I think it's really important that we have that reminder of humans you know, being more than meets the eye. And I really wanted this podcast to be an opportunity to show that deeper level of human beings to introduce you guys to some people that I'm really inspired by who are incredible, have amazing stories. If you guys have already watched the previous episodes, which I highly recommend that you do, I've been able to interview some really, really cool people, whether it's Molly Burke, who is the content creator largely known for being blind and talking about accessibility and her life experiences, or whether it's Chunky's Dead, aka Melissa Ong, um, who left her career at Google and in, uh, not finance, tech, um, to pursue social media and is now extremely authentic in her life that she lives um, as well as the other guests we've had on um, it's it's I think an incredible way just to learn more about people and the way that we operate and I think it's just a, a great reminder that we all need to be more empathetic we all need to be more understanding there's more going on behind the scenes than meets the eye and I think it's a necessary reminder in the world that we live in today to remember that everyone has a story and that we should always be considerate kind and thoughtful when it comes to how we treat, how we view, um, and how we talk about others. So that's really the goal that I had in launching Just a Position, and I'm really excited for where it's going to go in the future. I have some incredible people that I'm going to be having on, and it's not just limited to content creators as well. I'm going to have authors that I really respect, um, people who have worked in an entertainment industry, in Hollywood, um, as well as people I just personally really respected in my own life uh, that I would love to introduce you guys to. So make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to the podcast. Uh, It streams everywhere, Spotify, Apple, wherever you listen to your podcast, as well as on YouTube and social media pages so that you can see all the exciting guests that are going to be coming on. And yeah. And finally, of course, with this episode and these episodes that I'm going to be doing in the future, I really just wanted it to be a way that I could connect with you guys on a deeper level beyond skincare. Like, don't get me wrong. I love skincare so freaking much, but sometimes it feels like that's the only thing I talk about online and I know that there's so much more to you guys and I feel like you have all created a really incredible community for me and I want to get to know you guys better and I want to be able to have important conversations that may not be best suited for my skincare page if that makes sense so I hope that answers your question but yeah that's really where I see just a position doing and where it's going to go in the future and I'm really really excited to do this but more than anything honestly I am doing it purely out of passion as well. I just think the format of podcasts is really cool. I think it's awesome that a lot more people are listening to them and connecting with people in that way. And I don't know, I'm just doing it purely because I really want to and I think it'll be fun. And hopefully it can help, you know, make the world a little bit of a better place in the very small way that a podcast can. So thank you all who asked that question. Um, I'm going to move on to the next questions, which honestly, you guys came in with so many different questions spanning so many different topics. Um, I saw a lot of skincare questions. I saw a lot of personal questions. Some of these questions, when I was looking over the list, I was like, oh my God, we're getting deep. This is going to be intense, but I am ready. Uh, And I'm super stoked because like I said, this podcast is all about vulnerability. It's all about opening up. And I really want, uh, you know, to use this as an opportunity to share my story in case it can help anyone out there, even just one person who's listening. That's the goal. So the next question is a great one. It's from Jazzy. She asked, after becoming a YouTube sensation, oh man, that sounds so interesting, <laughs> sensation, um, what, what are some things you would have told yourself? This is a really good question. I don't know if I would consider myself a, a YouTube sensation, but I'm very grateful for the loving community that I've been able to find on YouTube. Um, and I think, you know, looking back at what I would have told myself before I, you know, started a YouTube channel or even as I started a YouTube channel, I think, you know, I am a person who, when it comes to my life experiences and my journeys that I've been able to go to, I don't like really want to change what has happened or regret what's happened because I always fall under the mindset that every tiny little thing that happened in the past 
made me into the person I am today and gave me the opportunities that I'm able to enjoy today. Um, and I'm a really firm believer in that. So honestly, I wouldn't change anything that happened. I'm so happy with how my life has turned out. It's, you know, very unexpected. Um, and definitely not at all what I anticipated when I started a YouTube channel. I really did not think it was going to get to this level, but of course I'm extremely grateful for it. You know, if I were to tell myself something, I think honestly the biggest thing would be to not stress so much about having to take advantage of every single opportunity that came my way and having to say yes all the time. I will admit it, and if you're out there, please comment down below if you relate to this. I am a yes man, oh my gosh. I am <laughs> such an intense yes man. I mean, if you don't know what a yes man is, it's, it's a personality type where essentially you feel pressured to constantly say yes to everything, even if you can't handle it from a time perspective, you can't handle it from a mental perspective, or from a physical perspective, you just say yes to anything because you're terrified of missing out on any opportunity or you're really, you know, obsessed with uh, pacifying what other people want rather than prioritizing what your individual needs are. And, you know, I'll be honest, I grew up in a cattle ranch in Arizona in the middle of nowhere. I mean, opportunities were slim next to none. I grew up in a household and in a community where... You know, most people never left. Uh, the future really was, you know, becoming a cowboy like my dad or, you know, staying in the town and never really getting out. That That's what, um, you know, ended up happening to most of the people that I grew up with. And one thing I will say, um, <laughs> I've had rocky experiences with my parents, which I will get into later in this podcast episode. But um, one thing I am really grateful for my parents is that they always empowered us as kids with the ability to dream big, to have goals, to set dreams for ourselves that may seem impossible, but totally are. And so because of that, I always said yes to every single opportunity that came my way constantly because I was like, I'm on a freaking cattle ranch. Like, when am I going to have another opportunity like this? I have to say yes to everything because I feel so grateful just to be able to have these opportunities because I grew up with nothing. Um, and because of that, as I started my YouTube channel and as it started to grow, I felt a lot of pressure to say yes to every single opportunity that came my way. And I thought that I could do it all myself without any help. And that is the biggest error I think I could have made um, because I very quickly became overwhelmed, overworked, extremely burnt out. I was, you know, working very unsustainable work hours just constantly, um, you know, getting three hours of sleep per night. I remember for one full year, I was pulling, you know, two all-nighters a week, sometimes up to four all-nighters a week just to get all the work done. And, you know, I, even with this though, I feel split on it because part of me is like, oh man, I should not have worked that hard. I should not have pushed myself to that level. It's so unsustainable. It's so unhealthy. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, would I be able to be in the position I am today if I hadn't have overexerted myself to that level, you know? And me now, I would never push myself to that level again because it's just so unhealthy. But I am grateful at some level that I did when I did because it allowed me to be in the position that I am today. So I feel kind of like mixed feelings about it. Uh, do I encourage anyone to work at the obsessive level that I did before? Absolutely not. I think balance is everything um, and you know, really important when it comes to your mental health and your physical health. But I am grateful you know, for the decisions that I made and for you know, um, everything that I did leading up to this moment. Um, I think my perspective now is just take it day by day. And now I am much more focused on my health, much more focused on uh, you know, prioritizing free time, disconnect time, um, getting out in nature, getting away from work and stress. And I'm really you know, grateful that I am able to do that now. I'm, I'm very fortunate and, and I don't forget how lucky I am to you know, be able to be at a point where I can say, you know what, I need to take a break. I need to rest because not everyone has that opportunity. So yeah, I, no regrets at the end of the day, but very good question. Um, I think it's, it's really deep. Okay, next question. This one I really relate to a lot. 
Advice for someone stuck in a small town. I want to be a cosmetic chemist, but I'm scared. And Caitlin asked this. Thank you, Caitlin, for asking this question. I relate to this a lot because like I said before, I grew up on a cattle ranch in the middle of Arizona, no opportunities. And I also grew up in a very close-minded environment. Um, it was very religious, very homophobic, very racist. Um, and you know, I always felt differently from a young age. I felt like I was just the weird kid out because I didn't agree with any of their philosophies. Um, little did I know that there's an entire world of people who had, you know, more progressive ideologies just like me, but I really felt completely disconnected from my small town and I wanted to get out as much as possible. And when it comes to my advice for you, you know, feeling like you're stuck because I totally understand that. Like I understand exactly. First, do not give up. Continue to push yourself like cling on to hope because there is hope. You will get out of that situation. You will be able to build the life of your dreams and you'll be able to, you know, find an incredible group of people that can be your support system away from your small town. Uh, you can pursue any dream that you want. Don't get stuck in that small town mindset because unfortunately I know so many people that I grew up with who never got out of that mindset and they really thought that, you know, the extent of their goals and dreams were limited to what was around them. And that is so not true. So I really first recommend just hold on to hope. Do not give up. That's one thing I'm so grateful I never did. Even if everyone around you is saying that your goals and dreams are not possible or that you're never gonna leave, yada, yada, do not believe them, you got this. And then secondly, um, what I would recommend is to build a plan for how you're going to get out, which Loki sounds like, I'm not saying you're like trapped or stuck or anything like really dramatic like that. I mean, I don't know your situation, but I think it's really important to have a plan in place of how you're going to get out of your small town and how you're going to build a future of your dreams. Um, I say this because I think I've seen a lot of people who really crave and desire for a way to get out of you know, their small towns and out of that mindset, um, but never really build a plan and never stick to working to make it happen. And then you know, 50 years later, they realize that you know, if only they had put in the work, uh, the time and the energy to really build out what that would look like, maybe they could have had a, a better, more fulfilling life. And so for me, when I you know, was, planning to leave my hometown, I knew exactly like what I wanted to do. I applied to so many colleges initially, um, which a lot of them didn't end up working out. My plan, you know, changed a hundred times over. I really wasn't sure what the future was going to look like, but my biggest recommendation is just to have a plan in place, save your money, save as much money as you can, um, and really stick to and commit to whatever goals you have in place. That can be, you know, putting them on a paper, printing it out, putting it on your wall. It can be writing it down every day. Um, it could be telling yourself your goals every single day. Whatever you need to do to keep to that mindset and stick to it, I highly recommend because that is the way that you're going to be able to hold on to hope. But, you know, hope only gets you so far. You got to put in the action. You got to put in the work and making sure that you're making smart financial decisions. You have a built out plan in place. You have a plan B, a plan C, a plan D, a plan E, <laughs> you know, everything that you need um, in order to make sure that you'll be able to get out of that environment. You'll be able to make it happen. And I love that you want to be a cosmetic chemist. That is really, really cool. I fully support you in that dream. And I think you're definitely going to be able to make it happen and change the world for the better by, you know, uh, formulating better cosmetic formulas because oh, the world needs it. So great question. Thank you so much for asking. The next question is one that I love to answer whenever people ask me. Uh, Christina asked, what got you interested in skincare? You know, the funny story, <laughs> truthfully, is that I didn't understand the importance of skincare because it was non-existent when I grew up. And when I was in college, um, I think like 18, 19 years old, I had really, sorry, I had a burp in my throat. <laughs> I had really severe aging, uh, premature aging across my face. I had deep set lines in my forehead, around my eyes. Um, I looked rough, bro. I looked really fucking rough. And it was to the point that I had multiple people in my life come up to me and say, Hiram, you're looking really old for how young you are. 
you are not looking great. You should probably start taking care of your skin. And some people may interpret that as shady. I see it as a sign from the universe because I'm so glad those people told me that because that's what initially got me interested in skincare. I always thought skincare was something that, you know, bougie older women uh, just, you know, threw money at and used it purely for the experience of it. But once I started, you know, moisturizing, exfoliating, and once I really started using retinol, that's when I noticed that my premature aging went away and I was able to curb a lot of that damage before it became, you know, irreversible in my skin. And that's when I realized like, oh shit, skincare really does work. I didn't realize that this was going to be as effective as it is. I'm blown away. And after that, uh, I you know, became a makeup artist. I was really passionate about makeup at the time and it allowed me the opportunity to really start learning about skincare, uh, ingredients, formulation, uh, connect with dermatologists, chemists, scientists, estheticians. And from there, my passion really, really grew into an obsession <laughs> where it is now. I will admit I am a little bit obsessed with skincare, but honestly, I love it so much. It's changed my life for the better in so many ways. And I think you know, I'm so grateful that those people in my life dragged me to filth and said that I looked way too old for me being 18 years old uh, because it would have never led to, you know, the ability to create videos that have helped people improve their confidence and improve their skin because that's all that matters to me at the end of the day. The fact that people are able to see positive results in their skin because of watching my videos, like, oh, that just makes me so happy. I'm so honored and I'm so grateful that that experience happened. It, it was awesome. The next one is a really good one and one that I had to reflect on a little bit before starting, you know, this episode. Vanessa asked, what was the hardest part about launching Selfless? And I was really split between two things. First off, in the actual creation process of building Selfless, I always thought that formulating the products was going to be the most difficult, you know, testing out all the different, you know, submissions that the chemists and the labs sent over. Um, but what really was the most difficult part was finding ingredient suppliers who matched our sourcing standards. And that sounds really complicated, so I will break it down. Basically, in creating Selfless, I wanted to make sure that at every single level, when it came to every single ingredient we used, it was as ethical as possible, didn't disrupt the environment that it was coming from, didn't uh, take advantage of people, um, didn't use, you know, things like forced labor. Um, I wanted to make sure that there was as little emissions as possible, that it wasn't hurting, you know, the climate, uh, that it wasn't hurting animals. Like, we really went to the next level to make a list of standards that each of the ingredient suppliers had to stick to. And the crazy thing was that in working with so many different ingredient suppliers and having conversations with them, almost all of them, if not all of them, said, oh my gosh, we've never been asked these questions before, like about sourcing and about where these ingredients come from and how are people treated and how the environment is treated, which made me really sad to hear because it you know, helped me realize that as an industry, we have a long way to go in making sure that the industry is not hurting people or hurting the planet. Um, but there were so many ingredients that we really liked that we wanted to, you know, include in these formulas that at the end of the day, we had to write off or move away from because they didn't match our our selfless standards that we had set in place. Um, that was the rule. If the ingredient suppliers did not match, you know, the standards we had in place, they were cut. We were not going to use them. And that ended up being, I'd say, the most difficult part of the actual launch, like creation process of the brand. But I'd say equally as difficult was when the brand was revealed shortly before it was launched. I was in New York City um, by myself. I was, you know, working all hours of the day, all hours of the night on making sure the launch could be perfect with the incredible selfless team. And, you know, when it comes to the online space, Whenever you get a lot of attention, you're going to get a lot of good attention and you're going to get a lot of bad attention. And every time I've had moments where videos or my channel um, or TikTok or whatever it is has gone really viral, I've always noticed that there's like a 50-50 split between positive comments and hate comments. Uh, that's just the reality of being online. And, you know, I've always handled it pretty well because I've just been like, you know, if you don't like me, if you don't like my videos, that is totally okay, you know it's fine. If you need to vent out your anger, totally fine. I know that's reflective of deeper issues that are going on and not reflective of me as a, a person, so long as I'm committing to, you know, being the best person I can be. But to have something like Selfless, which 
as much as possible embodied making the world a better place where I paid such close attention to every tiny little detail about the social impact that was being made, about the charity partners that we worked with, about the ingredient supplies, uh, suppliers and making sure that they were in standard, you know, with what we were doing and just really having it be my baby to see people tear it apart before the brand had even launched really put me into a pretty deep depression. I was in a very bad place. Um, there's something about having something you've worked so hard on for so long and love so much, just being ripped to shreds immediately um, before people have had a chance to learn about it, before they've had a chance to try the products, to learn about everything that we did from a back-end standpoint to make sure it was as ethical as possible. Um, it was really difficult. Uh, and I'd say that was about equally as difficult emotionally as opposed to, you know, the, the mental process of creating the brand. Uh, that, that was equally as difficult. But, you know, we're in a much better place now. I'm so proud of the impact that Selfless has had and people who, you know, don't align with what Selfless is about. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, the brand has protected over 200,000 acres of rainforest from deforestation and provided over 9,000 people with clean drinking water for life. And that's all that matters to me at the end of the day. I'm just like, look, it's, if it's giving people good skin and if it's having that positive social impact, it's making the world a better place. And that's all I care about. So yeah, I'd say oh, that's a little bit of a long-winded answer. But yes, that that is the most difficult part of launching the brand, but it's been an absolutely incredible journey and I'm so grateful for it. The next question is a really good one and one that I'm grateful was asked. Um, this person asked, what got you through hard times? I've been dealing with self-harm. And this question made my heart hurt so much because if you guys haven't watched my mental health series um, on YouTube, I highly recommend that you do. And trigger warning for anyone who has struggled with self-harm in the past. Um, I used to struggle with self-harm. Uh, I, I would cut myself um, and it was, you know, um, one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult time of my life because I was in so much pain and had no idea how to you know, ratify it, how to deal with that level of pain. And so I turned to self-harm in multiple ways, actually, um, as a way of coping with it. And it's very difficult because <sighs> things like self-harm, they can be addictions. For me, it definitely was an addiction. And trying to get out of it is extremely, extremely difficult. And I wish in responding to this question that I could give you one answer that was the end-all, resolve-all, fix-all answer where you just put into place this one principle and you'll be set, you'll be good. But that that's just not, you know, the case. Every person is very complex and every person's recovery journey is very, very different. Um, I'd say, you know, two primary things that got me through hard times. First, um, I have to talk about this because it I think everyone should be doing it. Therapy. Therapy definitely made a huge impact for me and was the main reason I was able to get out of my eating disorder, that I was able to, you know, um, stop planning out my suicide, that I was able to stop self-harming uh, and so many other things. It made such a huge impact in me being able to recover. Oh, I say recover. I'm, I feel like I'll always be in recovery. It's always a struggle, but it gets so much easier and so much pain goes away by being able to go to therapy, by talking to your therapist openly um, and having them help you realize things that have impacted your mental health that you never even realized did. Um, and so if you do have access to therapy, I highly recommend you go to a therapist. Um, there's a lot of options out there. If you have insurance, you're able to go to a lot of therapists. There's affordable options online. I've talked about them before that I'm a big fan of. I personally use BetterHelp um, because I love how easy it is to use and it's way less expensive than traditional therapy. Um, there's a lot of options out there. So first and foremost, please, please go see a therapist. I think that is, you know, the main thing that can make an impact. But secondly, and I'd say equally as important, whatever hope you have, hold on to it for dear life. The only thing that kept me going through all the moments where I wanted to end my life, through all of the severe moments of pain where self-harm seemed to be the only temporary solution to that pain, I held on to hope because I always thought in the back of my head, what if life can get better? What if I just am in a really bad spot and even though it feels like nothing is ever going to get better, what if, 
what if it does, you know? What if that's a possibility? And I am here to say life does get better. Oh my gosh, it is so worth living. I it, I could not stress that more to you if you're watching this and you're are struggling with something like this um, or you're the person who asked this question. Life gets so much better. And even more than life getting better, you get stronger and you're able to, you know, get past so many of these negative thoughts um, that are plaguing your brain, so many of these toxic mental cycles that you feel like you can never get out of, you're able to get out of them and life improves so, so much. And if you have that thought in the back of your head where you're like, what if, what if life gets better? Hold on to that because that is the only thing that kept me going as long as I did. Um, if I didn't have that curiosity and that, that wonder if life was going to improve, I, I would not be here today, um, for sure. And I'm so glad I stuck to that because it is absolutely true. Life gets better, you get stronger. It's life is worth living. Um, so hold on to that. Whatever hope you have, hold on to it to, for dear life, because you're going to be able to get through this. And I'm really proud of you for staying here this long. Uh, you have a full life ahead of you. It's going to be absolutely incredible and. Yeah, you, you deserve all the joy and all the love and all the happiness in the world. This is a really fun question asked by Mariah. She said, something you would love to accomplish in five years. Now, I used to be the person that had my three-month, six-month, one-year, three-year, five-year, 10-year plans all written out. Um, but I've learned over time that life is best enjoyed when you're living day by day. However, there are some things that I would love to accomplish within the next five years. And one of the top things that has come to mind that has become a really, really big passion of mine is to produce a song. I've gotten into music production. I would really love to release music one day. Um, and not me singing or anything like that. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, I, I have no interest in singing. Um, I actually want to produce EDM music music. Uh, the EDM space has really been uh, really impactful on my life. And so much EDM music has gotten me through the hardest of times. And it's a beautiful community. There's so many loving people in the EDM space. Uh, and I just think it's so fun and so freeing. And there's just so much love. And I would absolutely love to be a part of it by creating and launching music. Um, EDM music. I, I That's definitely a goal of mine. It's something that I've been working on uh, behind the scenes and I will for sure update you guys as you know that dream builds out because this is the next goal that I have. But yeah, I think within the next five years, I would love to have released, you know, at least an album, um, been able to perform at shows and venues um, around the country, if not around the world. I don't want to get too crazy um, with, with my goals and dreams, but you know, anything is possible. And that's really one thing I would absolutely love to do uh, because it has become such a positive escape and such a, you know, um, wonderful thing in my life. So we'll see. Who knows? Five years from now, uh, I may be completely in the DJ space and out of the skincare space. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I will never be out of the skincare space. I love skincare way too much. And the addiction to skincare is way too real for me to ever write it off. So who knows? Maybe I'll be a DJ as well. You never know. Mariah asks, your first impression when you received fame. This one really got me scratching my head because uh, this is it's such a good question because I personally have never felt famous. It's a very weird, uncomfortable term. And some people have like said it to me in person and I get very visibly uncomfortable because I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's not what I am. And that's not what this is about. And that's not why I, I do what I do. And I, you know, wanted to create videos in the first place, but you know, um, at some level, you know, I have been able to experience, you know, a, a good amount of online attention. And one thing I'm really grateful for is that when I started growing significantly on my channels, it was during the pandemic. And I was just at home working, doing my thing. And I was never really exposed to any of the external factors or outliers that typically come with getting online attention and getting online fame. You know, things like the, the collaborations and the, the parties and the events and the red carpets and, you know, the, the uh, press opportunities and the, the meet and greets and like all those different things um, I wasn't able to experience because it was during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, I used to feel like a little like, oh, I wish I could have experienced that. But honestly, I'm really grateful for it because I think it helped me be able to 
keep my perspective on track to where I was able to commit to making content to help as many people as possible rather than for the attention element, the fame element. I don't know. I just see so many people in this industry. It makes me very sad to see them kind of lose foresight and lose vision of why they started doing what they're doing because of, you know, all the things that come alongside fame uh, that tend to, you know, distract from the real purpose of why they do what they do. And it, it makes me sad to see because I, I, I see such beautiful people sometimes turn into not the best, most kind, most empathetic people. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Um, it, 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 you know, it's, it's very discouraging to see. And I'm really glad that this all happened during the course of the pandemic where I was just able to stay focused on just creating content in order to, you know, entertain you guys throughout the entire pandemic and hopefully help your skin improve. Um, and since then, you know, obviously as we've gotten to a place where the pandemic has, you know, become a lot more controlled, I have been put in situations where I kind of look around and I'm just like, oh my gosh, like this is fame? Uh, question mark? Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like so weird, like moments like where I got to collab with Hailey Bieber, um, for example, uh, that was so bizarre, um, you know, uh, doing uh, IG lives with uh, Pharrell Williams and being able to meet him in person, um, being at, you know, the meet and greets that I was able to do at Sephora's across the entire East Coast and seeing how many people, you know, um, showed me so much love or even just, you know, whenever I go out and about every day getting to meet you guys in public and, you know, talk to you and hear who you are, hear your stories. Um, moments like that, it is a little bit jarring because I'm like, whoa, this is not the typical person's experience. You know, I will say that this is definitely not, not the average life, but I think being in all those experiences has just reminded me in a really positive way that like fame is stupid. Like, seeking fame, seeking validation from others, and even seeking all the things that come alongside with attention, um, you know, the opportunities, the parties, the press events, all that kind of stuff, you know, they're cool, they're fun, um, but they are no reason to do what I do. <laughs> they make no impact in whether I want to continue doing this, you know, a long time in the future. Um, they, they really don't matter at a deep level at all to me. They're, they're cool, they're fun, you know, every once in a while. But but at the end of the day, what matters is if I'm able to make a positive impact in the world, if I'm able to, you know, do actions that help improve other people's lives, if I'm, you know, being as kind as and as empathetic of a person as possible, um, and if I'm committing to being a better person every day, that's the only thing that matters. All the rest of this shit, it does not matter, you know? Uh, it, it doesn't matter in the, in the long game uh, when it comes to life's meaning. And so I've never really, I don't think, had a moment where I'm like, oh my gosh, I am famous. You know, I, I hate saying this. <laughs> it's just triggering saying that. I've never had a moment like that. Um, but I have had, you know, moments where I'm like, wow, you know, cool opportunities. This is fun. But at the end of the day, it's not why I do what I do. And that's all that. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna answer three more questions because I don't want this episode to go on for hours and hours and hours. Uh, I know you guys would not want to listen for that long. Um, but this next question I think is a good one. Erica asked, how do you deal with anxiety? This is a very good question because I'm kind of in the process of figuring that out, actually. I, you know, previously struggled with anxiety, but it wasn't something that, you know, really plagued me or was super prevalent in my life. Um, but I think because of being online and because of, you know, the, the, the attention that has come with being online, it has created an extreme level of social anxiety with me to the point that I actually prefer just being at home all the time. I get very stressed out um, in, in public situations um, and I, I get very stressed out with, you know, interactions with other people. What is that sound? Oh, I think it's the ice maker. Oh my gosh, that freaked me out. I was like, is there a ghost? <gasps> it is after midnight, so I'm getting into the hours where I get... See, there you go, anxiety. <laughs> no, but seriously, um, 
I, you know, have gotten a lot of social anxiety. Um, I think just from doing this job, it just kind of comes with the territory. And I have been able to put into practice different, you know, mental things in mind uh, in order to control my anxiety. Um, breathing is a big part of it, making sure that, you know, whenever I'm having a panic attack, whenever I'm having, you know, a really intense uh, episode of anxiety, that I focus on my breathing. I make sure to have really slow, calm breathing. Um, I also love to check in, you know, with other people around me. I, I tend to get a little bit anxious and insecure um, about, you know, the way I'm behaving or the way I'm acting. Um, and so that that's a big source of anxiety. And I think it's just because like when I have people coming up to me in public who like recognize me and stuff, I tend to be hyper aware of, of, you know, the, the way I behave because I, I don't want to ever, uh, you know, miscommunicate to someone and, and have a negative experience or to, you know, to make them think that I'm, I'm not a nice person when I actually am. I'm just being honest. Like that, that's just my real anxieties. I always want to make sure that everyone I'm able to meet in public knows how much I really do love them. Um, but you know, it causes a lot of social anxiety. So because of that, I check in with people around me to where like to my best friend, I'll ask like, Hey, was I, acting rude? Was I acting, um, you know, not normal or was, you know, am I, do I look like I'm freaking out? Am I, am, do I, sorry, I'm tripping on my words. <laughs> Does it look like I'm having, you know, a panic attack? And literally every single time I've asked that to someone, they're like, no, Hiram, you're fine. You're great. Like literally nothing's wrong. You're acting completely fine. And I think that external source of validation in those moments actually really does help because sometimes you need that little reminder from people in your life that you're like, chill, chill daddy. <laughs> so um, I recommend doing that as well. And I think uh, the biggest thing for me is to put yourself in situations or do things that you know bring you peace. So for that, uh, for me, going on drives and listening to music, EDM music specifically, that is the biggest way to decrease my anxiety and to make me calm down. Because when I'm driving, I'm not looking at my phone. I don't have to interact with other people. Um, I'm able to just be by myself. I can focus on the music, listen to it. It's almost meditative in a way, similarly to how for me getting out in nature is very meditative and helps a lot with anxiety. I recommend doing, you know, that or finding those things that do bring you a lot of peace uh, because putting yourself in those situations, in my experience, has almost always, you know, really decreased my anxiety in those moments where I'm having panic attacks. But when it comes to overall anxiety, um, that's something that I'm working on with my therapist. Uh, that's definitely going to be a few years for the journey and seeing how that goes. So I don't have the answer when it comes to anxiety overall. But in those moments when you're freaking out, that's personally what I do. This is a fun question. Someone asked Hawaii or mainland. And honestly, I have to say Hawaii. Like I love Hawaii so much. Um, it's just such a beautiful place that reminds me to not only not get so stressed and worried about things like work and life, but to really just, you know, focus on the moments that bring you peace. The culture there is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, my, my friends uh, from so many different places who live there, um, I love interacting with and seeing their worldview and perspective and life experiences, um, especially uh, Native Hawaiians or Polynesians who uh, live in Hawaii. Um, it's so cool to hear their, you know, um, perspectives on everything and really educate myself in a lot of ways. Uh, I think Hawaii really emphasizes the importance of protecting nature and giving back to the environment and also giving back to cultures and being respectful in a way that I never learned growing up. Um, and it's just such a beautiful place. But I will admit, was that a moth? Oh my gosh, there's a moth flying around. Moths don't freak me out though, so I'm fine. <laughs> um, I will admit, I have been in Hawaii for a long time, like eight years now. It has been a long ass time that I've lived there. And I am spending a lot of time in Colorado because I'm like, you know what? As much as I love the islands, I don't want to spend my entire 20s in one place. <laughs> I do want to live in other places and experience other places. So I have been spending a lot of time in Colorado, um, but I absolutely love it there. I think it's so amazing. There's so many important lessons um, that the islands have to give and just forever a place that I will absolutely love. And finally, the last question. This one is actually really, really intense. Um, I was most nervous about answering this question, but I do want to talk about it in case anyone else has struggled with similar experiences, because I'll be honest, this is a topic that I do not like talking about, but you know, hey, it's just a position. We are all about vulnerability here. So 
I, you know, want to address this. Anyway, the question is from Erin. She asked, do you want to reconnect with your family someday? So for anyone who doesn't know, um, I have a really rough, if not non-existent relationship with my family because my parents essentially disowned me when I came out to them as gay. And as much as I wanted to continue having a relationship with them, focus on the positivity, put our differences aside, love each other, it was very apparent to me that so long as I quote unquote, lived this lifestyle, um, that they would not only never accept me, not love me, but actively try to control me in a way that made me not be gay in their mindset. And once I had that realization, I realized that the possibility of a healthy relationship was not possible. Um, that there was really no use holding on to that, that it would only bring toxicity and, you know, uh, emotional and potentially physical danger to my life. And so, you know, uh, it, that was essentially disowned and it was a very sad experience. I have not talked to my parents since that happened. I think that was six years ago now. Um, it makes me very sad. And initially I was very angry very upset. I felt so much anger, but I've moved to a point to where I I honestly just feel sad and pity for them because it makes me very sad that things like religion, closed-mindedness, um, political ideologies would come in between a relationship with their child. Uh, it's really heartbreaking to think about. And even in my, you know, final farewell to them, um, I made it clear that I would always be willing to welcome them with open arms if they were just willing to show me love. And that didn't have to be fully accepting homosexuality, uh, you know, wearing a pride flag or anything. Like I understand it takes a long time for some people, but I needed to understand that love would be there. And so long as they were willing to, you know, unconditionally love me, I would, you know, be totally willing to rebuild a relationship with them. But I have yet to see that. And, um, when it comes to reconnecting with my family, honestly, something that I feel like a lot of people can relate to who have gone no contact with their parents that really frustrates me sometimes is the amount of people who say, Oh, no worries. Your parents will come around. They'll understand at some point you'll be able to have a relationship with them. And for me, I'm just like, I mean, that would be amazing, you know, if they were to come around, uh, if, you know, they were to change their mindset, um, that, that would be awesome. Um, but when people like kind of spread those messages to me saying like, hold on, you know, hold on to that relationship, they'll come around, uh, it kind of denies the reality of the toxicity and the very, you know, mentally and emotionally harmful experiences that I've been through where it got to that point. And my mindset is like, that would be great if they came around, but I'm not going to hold my breath. I'm not going to put myself in toxic relationships for the hope of the possibility of them just being able to show their child some love. I'm not going to limit my own life, limit my own life experiences, or, you know, worse of all, put myself in an emotionally, mentally, or physically dangerous position for the possibility of them willing to show me love one day. You know, I understand that everyone is at a different place and sometimes it's really difficult to grapple with something as, you know, simple as homosexuality for people who have been deeply steeped in religious ideologies or political ideologies. But love shouldn't be that complicated and shouldn't be barricaded by those beliefs. Uh, I think you know, if, if you don't have the ability to love your own child, nothing I say or do is really going to make an impact. And I would love it if they came around. That would be absolutely amazing. But I'm not going to bend over backwards or limit myself in any way for that possibility. And for that reason, um, you know, who knows if I will be in contact with my parents again. I really have no idea. Um, I wish them the absolute best and I really do feel um, a sense of love for them in the sense that I feel pity, I feel sadness that they feel that way and I genuinely 
want them to live happy lives, whether I'm in their life or whether I'm not. But, you know, I'm not going to put myself everything that I've worked so hard to get to this point on the line for that possibility. Um, so who knows what the future holds? Uh, I, I don't know, but I am very grateful to say that I've been able to build my own family of people who genuinely, unconditionally love me, who want the best for me, who support all my dreams to make the world a better place. I'm so grateful to say that I was able to build my own family. And if you're someone who has gotten no contact with your parents, who has been disowned by your parents, or has a really rocky relationship with them, I honestly recommend to create your own family. Blood is not thicker than water. I think that everyone deserves to have a group of people who shows them unconditional love and whether they're blood related or whether they're not, doesn't matter. You can find that love from so many people and the best part is that the world has so many people who are willing to give that to you. You just have to find them, put yourself in positions where you'll be around those people and I'm so grateful that I have such loving people in my life who are able to, you know, replace the, the loss of not being able to have my parents um, be in my life. So yeah, oh, that was a deep question. That was probably the most I've ever opened up about that and probably the most I ever will. No, <laughs> I'm kidding. Who knows? Who knows what the future will hold? But yeah, that's a very tender topic um, in my life. But for any of you who stayed to this part of the podcast who listened to all of that. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. I appreciate it. It means the world. If you know, you want me to talk more about any of these topics that I've covered in this video in the future, feel free to let me know or better yet follow just position podcast on Instagram or TikTok and submit your questions there because we'll be compiling them and I'll be answering a bunch of questions in the upcoming episodes. I just want to say thank you to everyone who has listened to this point of the podcast and who has supported this podcast. Um, it really, really means a lot and I'm excited for what the future of it holds. And yeah, I love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. And this has been a production of Ramble, a Cadence 13 studio, new episodes every Thursday. Love you guys. Oh, 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 o